Do you know how much imposter syndrome is costing your business? The thing with imposter syndrome is that we don't know from the outside who is experiencing imposter syndrome at any given time. On a recent study that I carried out, employees described their experience of imposter syndrome as feeling really anxious and feeling really stressed. Imposter syndrome is known to be linked with burnout because we tend to want to hide our imposter syndrome by overworking. Another symptom of imposter syndrome is that we're not sharing our ideas and so our voices don't get heard at work and the company that we work for becomes therefore less innovative. Imposter syndrome occurs at all levels within organisations And it's especially prevalent when we start a new role, when we start a new company, and it can become really debilitating when we are promoted to a position. If you'd like to know more about the work that I do with organisations when it comes to imposter syndrome, to identifying it, to managing it, to overcoming it, please check out my website, impostersyndrome.ie. That's imposter with an E, impostersyndrome.ie. You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. Earlier this week, something popped up in my Facebook memories. I'm sure you know how it is. You get these reminders from years gone by. But this particular memory was from two years ago. And if you cast your mind back, we were pretty much in the height of the pandemic at that stage. And I carried out a piece of research. The the Facebook memory was essentially was asking people to fill out this survey. And so... It reminded me, I suppose, of the importance of well-being with National Wellbeing Day coming up on the 28th of April. So that's one week from the release of today's episode, if you're listening in real time. And then last year for Workplace Wellbeing Day, I shared the results from that particular survey. So if you'd like to get your hands on the results, they are available through the resources section on the Happier at Work website. That's happieratwork.ie. Click on resources and you should see it there. I'll pop a link to last year's episode or if you want to go searching in your own podcast platform, it is episode number 103 and I share some of the top line results from that report. It was quite interesting at the time, but it's also prompted me to have a think about well-being again and what does well-being at work mean? And I'm therefore carrying out another survey with all of the same questions so that I can compare and contrast what was going on during the pandemic versus how employees are feeling now at this moment in time. If you would like to take part in that survey, do feel free to access that through the research section on the Happier at Work website. And I will also put a link to that in the show notes. Before I go on to talk a little bit more about well-being, I wanted to share a bit more about what I do because people often confuse what I do with well-being and I can totally understand why they do that. For me, I don't necessarily call what I do well-being, but sometimes I do because that's what helps people to understand a little bit more about what I do. 
what I do is work with organisations using the Happier at Work framework, which is based on research that I have done uh, through my master's dissertation. So academic based research as well as organisational research that I have done. So we work around the framework of looking at culture specifically from a values and behaviours perspective, then looking at balance. And the balance piece is really important from a needs satisfaction. So the importance of satisfying people's needs at work, understanding what those unique needs are, but balancing that also with remaining productive in the organisation. And then the third pillar is around empowerment, and that has a few elements to it. So it's about understanding what our strengths are at work, talking about our strengths, how to utilise our strengths more at work and how to empower leaders to have those conversations, to make those difficult decisions and really to focus on bringing the best out in others. If you would like to know more about that programme, do feel free to reach out to me directly, connect with me through the website happieratwork.ie and I would absolutely love to hear from you. And now back to what well-being actually means. And I wanted to draw upon some of the learnings that I've had from podcast guests over the last year. And one of the ones that sort of stands out for me is building self-awareness, being aware of our emotions at work and being able to manage those as well. So it's not just about being aware of those, but it's about understanding what the impact is on other people. And I suppose having that level of of emotional maturity and emotional awareness. If you want to understand a little bit more about that, head back to the episode I recorded with Ashley Collins that would have been released just a little bit before Christmas. For me, one of the main things I took away from that episode is if you have ever had those kind of strong triggering emotions at work, which I'm sure most people can relate to if you've got very angry about something in particular or if someone has had an emotional outburst at you or near you, then I think it's really worth heading back to that episode to understand a little bit more about what some of the drivers behind that would be, because we all have emotional baggage from our personal lives that we bring into work. But we also have, I call them kind of the work hangovers. So if you have had a bad experience at work, you kind of tend to bring that to your next role and you might be paranoid about something or you might have learned some specific behaviours of how how to get it get on at work from previous toxic working environments that you're bringing into a new environment and it's not quite gelling where you are. It's about having that sense of awareness about the emotions that you bring and what might be causing those and, you know, doing the work on those to make sure that you're not getting triggered, that you're you're not feeling bad at work and that you're not taking those emotions out on other people as well. So do go check that out, that episode with Ashley Collins. The other one that I wanted to bring up was Kelly Mackin on Motives Met. So Kelly and I had an amazing discussion about how We need to ensure that our needs are being satisfied at work. Kelly has an amazing framework and she looks at all of these different types of needs or as she calls them motives. So uh, how our motives are being met at work and the importance of that. And what what I loved particularly is that we're so aligned in our vision. So from all of the research that I've done, from all of the organizations that I've worked with, the importance of need satisfaction at work in order to drive a sense from from my perspective, it's looking 
looking at the sense of fit, belonging and how you feel about work from Kelly's perspective. She her messaging is all around well-being at work and, and how to drive well-being at work to ensure or by ensuring that that our needs are satisfied at work and she has some very specific needs and then she groups them into different buckets together as well and the needs may vary or you may spot that there's opportunities to grow a certain need really really interesting stuff so definitely go and check that out the other episode we're checking out is the one with leslie cooper and the thing i took from that one was more about finding the balance between good stress and bad stress so understanding that there is this fine balancing act when, you know, stress that that drives growth and is a stretch for someone and feels like a challenge when that turns bad and that can turn into then chronic stress and burnout and things like that. So striking that balance between those two, recognising that stress isn't always bad, that it can be a positive thing. It can be a positive force for change. It can facilitate growth, all of those great things. But that's when you're in the stretch zone. And when you're too stretched and you become stressed, then it's a bad stress situation. And like I said, it can lead to burnout. So in that particular episode with Leslie Cooper, we talk about all of those great things and and finding that balance and what well-being at work means. How do we drive well-being proactively to avoid burnout, essentially? Before I finish up today, I have some thought provoking questions for you. I took part in a workshop a few weeks ago with a group of colleagues and it was amazing, I have to say, for me to feel like part of a team, part of something that's, you know, bigger than myself, but a topic that's really, really important for organisations and just working closely alongside other people with a shared purpose. So for me, that was just an incredible experience. Uh, But this prompted some thoughts from me about, well, what does well-being actually mean? So some of the things that I came away from that session with were, should companies be responsible for employees' well-being? So there could be some employees out there who don't really want their companies to be involved in their personal well-being. Now, some thoughts for me on this would be that up to a point, it the companies need to take responsibility, especially when it comes to things like workload and stress management and burnout. So looking at things like that, particularly when it comes to personal well-being, there may be some people who don't really want their companies to to be meddling in that. They want to take personal responsibility for their own well-being. So just something to bear in mind. Another question that came from that session for me or something that kind of stood out was, thinking about what the main causes are of not being well at work. So what are the main hindrances for preventing us to have well-being at work? And how do we address those root causes? And, you know, kind of going back to what I said about the Leslie Cooper episode, thinking about good stress versus bad stress, providing the support that people need in their roles, providing them with feedback, ensuring that they feel challenged at work, that they're in the stretch zone, that they're growing, that they're developing versus a sense that you feel like you're completely drowning at work, that you can't really cope with the workload, that uh, your emotions are getting on top of you, you're having some mental health difficulties, all of those kinds of things. So so finding that balance and being able to have those conversations, I think, is is really important. 
And then that brings me on to the next point of individual well-being, because well-being might well mean something different to each individual and having those conversations at an individual as well as at a group level to understand what each other's well-being needs are, I think is really, really important as well, because what well-being means to me might be very different to what well-being means to you. And I think this kind of brings us back to the point that there is no necessarily one size fits all solution. But if you have a framework to work with that you can look at the specific different areas that need to be addressed, then I think that's the the kind of the point of difference where you can launch from that perspective that it's not a one size fits all. We're not doing the same thing for everything or we're not doing the same thing for every single person, but we're addressing their needs on an individual basis. And the final thing I want to leave you with today is that I got a lovely bit of feedback from a listener and I just want to give a shout out to say thank you so much. It means the world to me, especially when I do these solo episodes, whatever about having a conversation with someone, you know, at least I'm having a conversation with one other person. When I'm having a conversation or a monologue by myself, it very much feels like I'm speaking to the ether. So when when listeners reach out to me to let me know that they have some specific feedback and this feedback was all very positive as well and the person giving the feedback um you know they said before the giving the feedback said don't worry it's all positive um but very specific as well which helps me to build on those things because sometimes i think well there's these things that i'm doing that take additional time but it's something that's important to me so for example the summaries that i provide at the end that's something that you know, oftentimes I have to dig deep and think, okay, how am I going to approach this summary? What are the key points that I want to get across? But to get feedback to say, this is something that makes a huge difference to me when I'm listening to the podcast, because I listen, I have loads of ideas. And then to get a recap at the end, that helps me to solidify what the ideas are that I want to take away and take action from. The other thing that this person shared was that he has done stuff differently as a result of listening to the podcast. And that's my main aim. It's not about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of this knowing doing gap. It's one thing to know something, but it's a completely different thing to actually do something about it. So you may have all of the knowledge, but are you taking action on the knowledge that you have? And if not, what's stopping you from taking that action? This person also shared a question with me that's been on his mind for quite some time. He has been meaning to reach out for a while and I will address that. It is in the well-being realm, so it's more about the challenges that team leaders face because they're sort of in the middle. They're trying to look after the well-being of their teams, but they're also getting direction from above. The workload is kind of filtering down through and it's about being in the middle and how how to manage that more effectively and how to get the message of the importance of well-being back up to the senior leaders and also how to manage the well-being and how to manage the workload for the team or rather how to manage the well-being of the team when there is such a heavy workload coming down the line as well. How do you keep well-being at the forefront when there's a business to run, when there's things to get done? So do stay tuned for that. That will be at the next solo episode, which will be out in four weeks time. In the meantime, keep the feedback coming, keep the questions coming. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on social media. I mostly would post on LinkedIn and Instagram. They're the two places that I kind of choose to to share what's going on. I'd love for you to get involved in the conversation. Is there something that you've learned? Is there something that you're doing differently? Is there something that you'd like to challenge me on? Are there any specific questions that you have? As always, you will find all of the details on my website, happieratwork.ie. All of the links are there for you to connect with me across any of the social media channels. So I look forward to interacting with you. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie. 